0: Well, hey, welcome to the Walk On podcast. Following Jesus is a journey, and I hope that this podcast helps you take your next step. Well, hey, in this episode, we're going to take a look at the term born again. And this is a term that gets used a lot in different Christian circles, has different connotations and different meanings, depending where you look at it from And so we're going to dig into the scripture that it comes from and see if we can understand it a little bit better and see what impacts that it has on our lives today. So born again is a phrase that comes from a conversation that Jesus has in John chapter three. So we're told that there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God was not with him. Now, if, if somebody came to me and said those things, I think my natural response would be, hey, thanks. Uh, but Jesus doesn't respond that way. Instead, he replies, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And so then Nicodemus responds, he says, well, how can someone be born when they are old Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And so then Jesus clears up this confusion by saying, "'Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God "'unless they are born of water and the Spirit. "'Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit.'" You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Clear as mud, right? (laughs) Jesus clears all of the confusion up with his response, doesn't he? Like, what, what, what is going on here? What is all this talk? He talks about being born again, but then there's all this talk about spirit and water and wind and flesh giving birth to flesh and all of this stuff. Like, what's going on? Right? And, and Jesus' response has led to all kinds of different interpretations about what being born again means. I mean, does being born again just mean that you're a Christian? Um Sometimes people use born again as a specific title to refer to certain types of Christians with certain theological or political views. Some people connect the idea of um, spirit and water to different types of baptisms and say, well, you're only born again if you've had um, baptism by water and a baptism by the Holy Spirit. So what does all this mean? How are we to understand this idea of being born again? Well, like anything in scripture, when it's a little confusing, it always helps to step back and look at the broader context. And I think that we miss some of the intended meaning of what Jesus is trying to say because we try to interpret this passage from our modern Western perspective. So let's go back and look at the context of what's going on that leads up to this conversation. Right in In John chapter 2, we're told that Jesus goes up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover is the yearly feast that the Jewish people do to celebrate God freeing them from slavery in Egypt. And then we're told that before the Passover, Jesus goes into the temple and he creates quite a scene. He makes a whip and he uh, drives out money changers and turns over tables and claims that uh, they've turned his father's house into a market instead of a a place of prayer, right? Quite a scene, quite a ruckus. Um, And then after that moment, then we're told that Jesus goes and celebrates the Passover feast. And then the beginning of chapter three is when we're told that this man named Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And, and there's a couple of details that are really important to catch. One, it tells us that Nicodemus is a, a member of the Jewish ruling council or the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was a, a group of 70 Jewish religious leaders, um, some Pharisees, a lot of Sadducees, uh, but they, they ruled over kind of how the, the temple operated and how things went in Jerusalem. They held a lot of power. They had a lot of prestige and esteem. And so this member of this ruling council comes to Jesus. Now, I wonder why he would come to Jesus. I wonder if it has anything to do with what Jesus had just done in the temple. Right? He created this big scene, and I wonder if Nicodemus is trying to respond to him to try to figure out, okay, what exactly is going on here? Who exactly is this guy that created this big scene in the temple? Now, we're also told that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Now, often this little detail gets explained by saying that, you know, maybe Nicodemus was um, ashamed or didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus. And that very well could be. But I think the key detail is that this is during the celebration of the Passover. And the Passover meal and festival happens at night, right? And then there's a, a time of watching that during the feast, People would go out and look out the door, or go outside and wait to remind themselves of the waiting that the ancient Jewish people had as they were waiting for the the night of their freedom for God to pass through and bring deliverance to them. And so, it's very possible that Nicodemus comes to Jesus during this Passover celebration, this moment of watching and remembering the waiting for deliverance, and so it brings an interesting dynamic to the context of this conversation to remember that it's happening during Passover, during the Passover feast and the significance of Passover. And so remember that Nicodemus, as a Pharisee, as a Jewish religious leader in the first century, he would have had a firm grasp on Jewish scriptures and a firm understanding on the Old Testament. And so I think the conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus is a very Jewish conversation, right? Jesus is speaking to him in ways that he would be familiar with. So let's take another look at Jesus' strange response to Nicodemus, right? When when Nicodemus asks, well, how can a person be born again? Then Jesus answered, he says, well, I tell you that no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Now it's worth noting the New Testament was written in Greek. And in Greek, the word for spirit is this word pneuma. But pneuma also means wind and breath. And so this word appears several times in Jesus' response to Nicodemus. He says, hey, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the spirit or pneuma. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the pneuma gives birth to pneuma. He says, you should not be surprised at my saying this. He says, the wind or the pneuma blows wherever it pleases. And you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the spirit or born of the pneuma. So do you hear a a theme here? This idea of the spirit or wind being repeatedly talked about. And so Jesus says, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you are born of water And pneuma, or water and the spirit, or water and wind. Now, if Nicodemus is a Jewish teacher and he knows the scriptures like the back of his hand, and they are celebrating Passover, when Jesus says water and spirit, or wind and Passover, water, spirit, or wind and Passover. I wonder if that begins to ring a bell for Nicodemus. Because if you remember the story of the Exodus, the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and God raises up Moses to lead them to freedom. This moment of Passover happens, and the Pharaoh finally says that they can go, and they're leaving, but then the Pharaoh changes his mind, and he begins to pursue them. And so the Israelites are being pursued by Pharaoh's army, and they reach the Red Sea. And they seem like they're trapped. But Moses raises up his hands and God sends a wind to split the water and the Israelites cross on dry ground. Wind, water, Passover. And this this moment, this Exodus moment was a monumental identity shift for the Israelites because they were slaves previously. Then they pass through the waters that had been split by the wind and they emerge as free people. And this is a moment you could say where Israel was born again, right? They were previously slaves, but now they are free. They're they born into a new identity, Jewish leaders would later use a metaphor of the crossing of the Red Sea with the wall of water on either side to describe, to say that they were passing through a a birth canal of sorts. It is this metaphor of of a new birth, of being born again for for the Israelite people, right? So imagine this identity shift that had to happen for the Israelites. For 400 years, they were slaves. Generation after generation defined themselves as slaves. That's all they knew. But now, as they crossed through the Red Sea, they were now free. Their identity had shifted, and they had to begin to shift their thinking and learn how to live as free people, how to live as God's chosen people. That's what the time of the wandering in the desert was partially about, to help them understand what does it mean to live in this new identity. learning to shift their identity from slaves to God's chosen people that they were born into. So when Jesus tells Nicodemus, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again of water and the spirit, I think he's speaking in a very Jewish way, drawing on all the foundational moments of the Exodus that they are celebrating at the Passover. Jesus is reminding Nicodemus that God has always been about creating and recreating and bringing new identities into reality. And here, Nicodemus is approaching Jesus because of what he did in the temple. And Je- Nicodemus is trying to figure out what exactly is going on here. And in this conversation, Jesus is pointing them to the reality of the, the Passover the new identities that happen when you are born again. And he's reminding Nicodemus that the identity of the Jewish people was always about being God's chosen people to bless the world. And yet now that had gotten a little sideways and now the temple was being used to make money and become a marketplace and actually hinder the people from experiencing God And Jesus is letting Nicodemus know that part of what he is doing is bringing about an opportunity to remind themselves of their true identity and that they have gotten off course a little bit and they need to be born again. They need to be reminded of who they are and that Jesus was going to usher in this new kingdom of God, which was a a renewal of sorts, a reminder of the true identity of, of the Jewish people. And I wonder if Jesus sensed a tension in Nicodemus, that there was a curiosity about what Jesus was doing, but also a hesitancy to hold on to old paradigms and old realities, to hold on to the status quo. I wonder if this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus was an invitation saying, hey, God is up to something here. He's bringing about new creation in your midst. He's bringing about a renewal, a new identity. And and if you want to experience the kingdom of God, you have to be willing to let go of your past understanding and embrace these new realities, just like the Israelites experienced in the Exodus. And with the context of the Passover feast and Exodus in mind, I think this conversation about birth and water and the Spirit has more to do with identity in God's kingdom than it does with different debates about baptisms or different titles that Christians throw around when they talk about being born again. Just like the ancient Israelites were born again into a new identity, moving from slave to free Jesus is inviting each of us to be born into new identities, to see ourselves in light of him and the kingdom of God. So let's take a minute and talk about birth and identity. Have you ever thought about how much of your identity is determined at your birth? I mean, when you're born, your, your family is determined. When you're born, your name is determined. Uh, When you're born, your citizenship is determined. Whatever country you're born into, you're a citizen of that country. Uh, When you're born, your race and your gender is determined. All these identifying factors that, that we use in how we see ourselves in relation to the world around us, so many of those were determined at our birth. But Jesus is saying we must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And as we see from the conversation about water and spirit, this being born again is about being born into a new identity. Jesus is letting us know that the kingdom of God has always been about changing the way you see yourself. It's about realizing that you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So if we're born again, then our previous identity must change. And I wonder How many of us are like Nicodemus? We're curious about Jesus, but we're also hesitant to let go of our old identity and our old understanding of the world. And Jesus is reminding us, he's inviting us into the reality of the kingdom of God, that in him we can be born again and we can have a new identity. We can be new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. And scripture speaks to these new identities in a lot of different places. Um, In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, the apostle Paul says that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing this to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure, right? So when you are born, you're born into a family. But when you are born again, you have an identity shift and you now are born again into the family of God. We've been adopted into God's family. We belong to a new family. Ephesians 2, 19, Paul says, "So, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. So when you're born, you're born as a citizen of a country. But when you're born again, you have a new identity and you are now a citizen of the kingdom of God. Galatians 3.26 and 28 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Right? There's the family piece again. He says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so when we were born, we're born into a a race. We're born into a gender. But here, Paul's saying that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, right? There's no longer these races that identify you. Um, There's neither slave nor free. There's no longer these social statuses that identify you. There's no longer male nor female. There's not these gender identities that define you. What matters most more than all of those things is that you are now one in Christ Jesus. So we're born into a new family. We're part of the family of God. We're born again, and we're given a new name and a new title. We're now seen as saints and God's holy people. We're born again into a new citizenship. We're citizens of heaven. And our race and our gender become secondary to our identity in Christ. We are all one in Christ. The kingdom of God is an invitation to be made new, to begin to see yourself as God sees you, to realize that in Christ you belong, you're chosen, you're redeemed, you're a new creation. And so the implications of this is that your identity in Christ is received, not achieved. You can't earn that identity in Christ. It's been given to you. It's part of you being born again, right? In the same way that you were born into a family and you immediately belonged. You didn't have to fill out any paperwork. You didn't have to approve yourself. You just belonged to that family. And you were born as a citizen of a country that you were born in. And you immediately had all the privileges and all the rights of that country that were afforded to you. In the same way, Jesus invites you to be born again into a new identity. You're born again into God's family, and you immediately belong. You can't earn it. You're born again as a citizen of heaven, and immediately all of the rights and privileges of that belong to you. You're born again into holiness and forgiveness. Those are the things that shape your identity more than the actions that you take. And I wonder how many of the challenges and difficulties that happen in the church, how many of the the debates and divisions that happen in the church happen because we're still holding on to our old identities. And we're still letting those things impact us first, and then our identity in Christ second right? Issues about race and gender, um, issues over politics and different viewpoints. Those are all taking these secondary identities and placing them over our identity in Christ. But Paul reminds us that, hey, those things are secondary because you are now all one in Christ Jesus. You're a citizen of heaven first and a citizen of your country second. You're defined by your identity in Christ primarily not the failures of your past. The most important group that you belong to is the body of Christ and in every other affiliation is secondary. If anyone wants to see the kingdom of God, they must be born again because God has always been about bringing new identities. He's always been about redeeming restoring and recreating. And it's time to change the way that you see yourself and realize that you're born again and that your identity from Christ is a gift. And it's also the truest thing about you. And that is the thing. That Jesus Christ is the north star, the thing that you measure everything else against. The fact that you are chosen and you belong and you are part of God's family and you are a citizen of heaven. That is the most important factor that determines every other decision and every other choice and every other way that you see yourself. The kingdom of God is here and you can belong. And Jesus has made a way you can be born again into a new identity. And what Jesus says about you is the truest thing about you. So Heavenly Father, may we realize the truth of who we are in you. That we belong to your family. That we have a new identity and a new name that we are forgiven and redeemed, and you see us as holy and blameless before you, that we are citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom of God, and all of the rights and privileges afforded to that are ours, and because of that, then we can live our lives with purpose and intention to bring about your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus, may we hold firmly to the truth of who you say we are. And may we see everything in light of that. And God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for the gift of a new identity that we truly can be a new creation where the old is gone and the new has come. And may we live in to that identity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Walk-On Podcast. If you found it to be helpful or encouraging in any way, I encourage you to share this episode with somebody, to uh, leave a rating or a review, um, and uh, subscribe to this channel. Thank you for listening.